Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. If you guys are live streaming, welcome. Uh, if you're on Twitter, YouTube, and wherever else I am right now, uh, welcome. <laughs> um, it's been a week. It's been a night. I have had emails from people all over the country. Um, DMs from people who don't even know what to think of the state of the country. Um, we're talking Republicans, Democrats, black, white, uh, Latino, um, primarily because people are up in arms about what's happening with our children, honestly. And you have this overreaching, overbearing, positively megalomaniac filled government that is completely out of control. I know you've heard that on every broadcast. Every pundit will say it. Those are kitchen table items, Jen. The government is out of control. The government is not here to save us. The government has never been here to save us, nor should it be here to save us. But it's certainly not supposed to be here to maim and molest our children. And anyone with a remote sense of sanity knows that's exactly what is happening. What most people can't figure out is why. Why is the government so hot for our children? Why are these special interest groups allowed to have this megaphone that they have in instituting policy and procedures in our public schools and our private schools? Why? Who has given them that type of authority, right? Why is this happening? That's the question I get a lot. Why is this happening? And why is it happening now? And while we're all distracted with Ukraine, and certainly our hearts go out to people who are being bombed, whatever you think is happening over there, I'm not here to argue that. Because to be honest with you, none of us really know what's happening over there unless we've been on the ground, and, and to be honest with you guys, that's pretty much where I am these days. If I can't see it with my own eyes in person, hear it, touch it, taste it, feel it, sorry, it's really hard for me to, uh, you know, take that jagged little reality pill that media likes to shove down our throats. And yes, I am part of media, but I am not part of the media industrial complex. And nor do I intend to be. So, welcome back to my show. Uh, I talk about life, itchy noses, love, and liberty. <laughs> the things that happen, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And, I, and that's the one thing I love about live streaming is that it's just kind of chill. I have had a fantastic week with guests, 
And uh, America First Legal has basically, you know, I love those guys. I love the work they're doing. I cannot say enough about them. Uh, you know, you can have your own personal opinions about certain people over there. I don't care. Here's what I care about, that people are actually taking up the, the, the battle, uh, the banner, right, in the name of our Constitution and actually taking the fight to the courts, using lawfare, exercising our constitutional rights. That's very important. And that is what America First Legal is doing. And so we talked this week about immigration, what's happening with administrative amnesty. If you missed that show, you can catch that on podcast. If you subscribe to my podcast, they're everywhere. Uh, you can also go back to YouTube as well as my Rumble channel. It will be there too. Uh, that was a great interview, very informative. Mr. John Zadrozny of... Um, of America First Legal had to think about that because he just moved from America First Policy Institute, which are not the same organizations. He will explain that as well in that interview. But he discusses administrative amnesty and what that is and why that's so important for you to understand and to be aware of. Okay. Um, we also talked about, you know, HHS and their propensity to traffic children and having worked with the Trump administration for the Trump administration as a senior policy advisor on immigration. Uh, he's someone who certainly has the authority to uh, educate us and uh, educate us on exactly what the heck is going on over at HHS. I tell you guys quite a bit that um, our tax dollars are being utilized to fund to facilitate the trafficking of children across our border. And he goes on to tell you exactly how that happens. Yesterday we had Mr. Ian Pryor on with us, who is also uh, with America First Legal. And uh, you can go back and check that interview out as well. Um, he um, he really br- he brings it home for a lot of you with children, a lot of us, I don't have children in the school system, but I have a vested interest in what happens to our children as a nation in that school system. So whether it's public or private, um, and he's talking about things that they are handling uh, with America First Legal, um, cases going on that expand past Virginia. It's not just Virginia that has, you know, apparently crapped the bed, uh, as it were, with their um, respective... um, uh, boards of education, uh, hiding sexual assault cases, obstructing justice. Um, yeah, so all kinds of good stuff. And so those guys are handling that as well. And uh, Wisconsin, boy, that was interesting. That was eye-opening for me and what teachers are posting in their classrooms about taking over where you apparently fail as a parent who is not interested in reassigning your child's gender because quite possibly maybe they think they're a tomboy. I know I was, I know it's hard to believe, but I can't get dirty and I'm fine. Get my little nails dirty and my hair messed up. I'm actually a country girl who lives in the city, but, um, imagine, imagine if your kid, imagine for some of you, and I've heard from some of you who were tomboys, if your parents decided then at that moment in your little life that they were going to reassign your anatomy Imagine that. And then you grew up, you know, you hit 21, 25, whole prefrontal, you know, organization, all of that's gone on and it's all where it's supposed to be. And, and you wake up one day like, hmm, interesting. I kind of enjoyed being a girl and I enjoyed my body parts. 
again, this is a, as many of you said on my Twitter feed, this is absolutely demonic. There, and it is literally an assignment from the pit of hell. I, that's not hyperbole. As, as a minister, that is exactly what it is. It's right there in your Bibles. If more than 3% of the church read their Bible, they would know with certainty what's going on and with certainty how to combat it. And while I'm thankful for organizations like America First Legal and others who are contending in the lawfare space, I cannot impress upon us enough as, as a body of believers of a kingdom with our own government. Boy, that just set off some alarms with DHS and FBI. What did she just say? Did she just say they have their own government? Do I look like a terrorist? (laughs) Do I look like I'm interested in overthrowing anything or scaling walls or, you know, uh, inspiring people to do such things? No, this is called Spiritual Warfare 101. This is Ephesians 6 and 12. Do not get it twisted. Do not get it confused. So for all of the threats, all of the watch lists, all of the lists that people are making for, you know, to corral or to otherwise deem patriots and Christians somehow we're now the stain of the country that we've actually assisted in you know, curating for the past hundreds of years. Yeah, no, I I don't receive that title. And you guys as Christians shouldn't either. And as parents, you should not be afraid of your own department of justice. And that's one reason why I bring these people on, because I want you to know who you can go to and that there are people out there fighting uh, for and on behalf of the Constitution, right? For all Americans, this is not partisan. This isn't just for Christians. It's not just for, you know... For Republicans, it's not a matter of white privilege. It's a matter of American privilege. And if you don't believe that you are absolutely privileged to live on this soil, then you should probably turn in your passport and go find another place to live. And good luck with that. Good luck with due process. Good luck with a Bill of Rights. Look what our folks and our friends and family up in Canada are dealing with right now. Look what they've been dealing with. It is madness. It's madness across the globe. So I have I have a zero tolerance policy for people who complain about um, about this country. You know, we have sure we have sins. Of course we do. Every country does. But you know what, guys? We've seen the apparatus getting larger and larger over the years, and. We keep voting for the same rotten people. And those same rotten people um, have now landed us in a very interesting position in our Supreme Court. And I hosted a space last night on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, um, for those of you who are podcasting right now, I encourage you to tune in <laughs> to the spaces. You don't you you do have to have an account. But you don't have to chime in. You can simply listen on your desktop. If you want to participate, you do have to do so on your uh, on your mobile device. Um, but there's a lot of honesty that flows through these these spaces in these rooms. And thankfully, I have developed a level of trust and um, camaraderie 
with people who come in and out of my spaces, even with people I we do not agree on many things. But the one thing most of us agreed on last night, all of us agreed on last night, was that we definitely had, while, while, while some people who you're going to hear from in just a moment were celebrating the fact that Katanji Brown-Jackson is the first black female to sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. And that's important to black Americans, according to this person you're about to hear from. Um, she also sees that there are um, slightly radical ideas that come with this particular Supreme Court justice. So I don't know how you... Um, I don't know how you reconcile that. Reconcile was a big word last night for us uh, because reconciliation is exactly how um, we were reconciled to God, right, as a creation. And as a country, the only way I see us being able to become reconciled um, through the documentation that's already been provided for us to do so um, is to reconcile the sins of this nation to the cross. And this is resurrection season, so what better time to have this conversation, right? There was a lot of hopelessness and despair in the room last night. You're getting ready to hear um, confusion. You know, how do we get here? Some kind of felt like, well, you know, welcome to the new America. This just It's just all a political ploy. Take it back to your states, which I 1,000% agree with. Take it back to your states. But I want to um, I want to play some clips from last night in the Twitter space. I think uh, I think you guys may be surprised by some of the things that you hear. And uh, yeah, let's do that. And really, it was just sound off. What are you guys feeling? What are you thinking about this right now? And and be candid. And they were. I'm going to post a couple things in the nest, um, some, some good teaching and preaching about why there is no redemption in critical race theory. There is no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness. There is no, um, in, in critical race theory, in black liberation theology, whatever liberation theology, if it's not at the cross and we don't come under the blood and we aren't all equal before God, then it sets us up for all kinds of evil, like is like we're going down this pathway. So when we can talk about, um, you know, well, why are they a pedophile? Why did they do this? Well, it was because of this. And everything is eliminating personal responsibility. And that's where CRT has us headed. And we have a church now um, that's unfortunately in bed with this. And I knew it when they didn't condemn Warnock. When I had people that I had trusted for years not condemning Ralph Warnock for his views on basically you can be for abortion and be a Christian. And I think that we're here. It's it's going to take a lot of prayer. And we need to know personally, whether you're a believer or not, really, you need to understand the um, history behind critical race therapy th- or, uh, theory. Cone, C-O-N-E. Look him up. He died a few years ago. He was 79. And you need to understand and listen to him and understand there's no redemption in CRT and understand how you can combat that and how you can, um, because people are going to come at you and they're going to spiritualize why, you know, why she's there and why God wants her there. 
And we just have to, we have to know what we believe and why. People are going to come at you and they're going to spiritualize why she is there. Um, Also on my Twitter feed, (laughs) there are a few religious organizations that came out with exactly what she just said, uh, stating that, you know, although we may differ on, um, you know, certain things like the biology of a female um, or the Constitution and the fact that God uh, endows us with un- with our unalienable rights, the church has now collectively decided, apparently, some of them, and, and really the ones who are receiving government subsidization, uh, the ones who are sitting there with their 501c3 handouts, those are the ones saying, oh, good job, America. Good job. It was time. Time for what? Time for what? For us to mangle and molest our own children through medical practices that are completely outlandish and barbaric and should be should be completely taken off the table, unless, especially as a trend. This has become a trend. This is not about the actual people who struggle with this. I get so passionate about this because, like I've said, there are people who genuinely struggle with feeling like they belong in their own body. And it is a spiritual, mental, emotional struggle. And it is not funny. It is not trendy. It is not healthy. It is hell. And so I don't know what these people are celebrating. And she's right. There's no grace or mercy in critical race theory. It's equity. Well, who made all things equal? Our creator. Who is it that attempts, you know, equitable practices, man, and who gets to determine whenever that equity has been filled, man. God's so awesome, y'all, because we would have never been able to, we would have never been able to equalize or otherwise reconcile or redeem ourselves to anything, not to a perfect God. And the God of Christianity is so awesome because he's the, he's the first God to come down to his creation. It's the first religion we're not having to reach up. God came for us, right? Again, resurrection season. I love it. Okay, no mercy, no grace in CRT. That is absolutely true which is why even in your corporations with their uh, diversity exclusion, uh, um, inclusion and all whatever the program is, that your corporations are spending millions of dollars per month to, I mean, a, a year. Well, and some of them per month, actually. It depends on how many employees you have. Uh, to satisfy the lust of this <laughs> socially barbaric you know, engineering system that just pits all of us against each other, brings stuff, picks stuff, scabs off of stuff of the past and and with an intention, an alleged intention to heal the nation. Well, how's that working out? Because we're not exactly healed as a nation. So again, the only salve that could ever be put on this nation for healing is going to be the blood of Christ. That's it. Not reparations, not a dollar amount. We're going to get into that in a minute. Okay, let's go to uh, our next caller from last evening. 
This is interesting. My comment on Jackson being confirmed Supreme Court is 20 years ago, if she would have been nominated, she would never had a hearing because she wouldn't have survived the process of vetting. Number two, how strong will she be in trying to influence the other Supreme Court justices? I read somewhere where she had made a comment that if she was on the Supreme Court, she would not be a lone justice. She would try to convince the other justices to go kind of like, well, we know Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett are weak need and uh, chief justice say whatever you want about him. He's a POS. So does anyone believe that she'll have that kind of influence or, I mean, she is a radical and she is very outspoken. So where's it going to go? So what do you guys think? She is a radical. She's very outspoken. Where's it going to go? What do you think? What do you think happens whenever you get a bunch of women together who are of the same mindset? I mean, we have a person, a female, who sits, a woman, I'm not a biologist, but I'm pretty sure she's a woman, who sits on the Supreme Court, who will tell you that children are not sentient beings. What? I mean, for God's sakes, woman, this is how we this is how we judge our our animal cruelty laws are predicated upon sentience. But somehow a child in the womb or a or a, a human being at a certain stage of di- uh, uh, digestion. There you go. I'm hungry of uh, a gestation <laughs> um, is not cannot feel at birth cannot feel. I mean, the things that come out of these people's faces is just like, and they, I mean, I think to myself, would this be our conversation at a cocktail party? Like, would you have said that to me with a straight face if we were sitting around having a glass of champagne? Or do you just say this to be, you know, completely politically bombastic? I don't know. I I really, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I want to go to someone who's, um, This is very touching and very moving, and this is something I want to highlight today on this show before we go. My show is about faith, life, and politics, love, life, and liberty, right? And faith and love, right? The God of love, the God of hope. Many people right now are feeling extremely hopeless because of what they see going on around them. And yesterday was just another nail in a coffin that many people are already lying down in. As, as sane Americans who see what's happening. And this next person who was in this space last night was um, moved to tears and told us of, of what, what, what could be the outcome for some people or what's very seductive for some people right now. is because I see your memes out there. I see your funny little, God, can you just hit us with a meteor? I think I'm going to drive off a cliff. Um, you know, it's all over. Um, and, and even you've seen me tweet things like, um, you know, America is dead as we've known her. And the reality of that is that, you know what? It's not, it's, it's time to celebrate the fact that this is resurrection season and that we still have an opportunity to resurrect our country. And it's not a matter of build back better. It is build with God. It is put the proper foundation in place or literally forget about it. 
Seriously. And I believe we still have an opportunity to do that because I believe in the God of hope, right? And the Bible says that we serve the God of hope. So it's not hopium. Hope really is a strategy. Hope at this point is the only strategy as far as I'm concerned, as well as getting busy, getting productive. You're going to hear from my colleague, Wayne Dupree, in just a minute. He tells you about getting busy, getting productive. But first, let's go to um, to this gentleman. No doubt, we're actually facing a government that is demonic, diabolistic. they human trafficking since the Vatican. All these children that come from other countries to the U.S., they're nothing by like cattle. They're taking their organs. And believe me what I tell you, that's so diabolic. Um, I was able to go in the White House because I'm a military. And in the chapel, it shocked me when I see this says Luciferius. That's one of the things that shocked me in there. And when they got the big boys inside that chapel, it's a circular table like the Templars with 13 chairs and I witnesses so many things in there and especially a war when I have seen my brothers and sisters on arm fighting a war that is not ours dying for reasons that was not our reasons and see the mockery of it I plead my allegiance to God and to the people, and to the nation. I have a lot of sorrow in my heart because I see such a division to one another. It's not a political party that can fix this. It's supposed to be all of us together, united. Actually, Scorpio, yesterday, and myself, we host a group called United We Stand. And I'm glad, I mean, that we did this because we want to higher up the levels of patriotism. And even in our bill says, in God we trust. That's what our fathers, they designed something better for all of us. And we simply forgot what we are as a people. And in essence, we are divine creatures that we're supposed to be united and not divided. I guess, Monica, you are a wonderful person for hosting this group, and I thank you for it. I won't say no more because actually I'm in tears because I have lost a brother on our today that I've been notified that he actually took his life. He couldn't stand anymore the mockery of this government and the selfishness of how it's been treating throughout. So, yeah. Do you know how many people feel that way? So, good thing I'm not a Fox host. (laughs) Uh, But, wow. You know... That's real life. 
And I hear from you guys in your emails, right? I hear from men and women who have served. And you think that this country is just on the fast track to hell. And you're like, what did I serve? Why did I serve if this is how it's all coming down? If we're going to mutilate and maim our children, right? Why did I serve? What was the point, Monica? I get emails from people with guns in their hands. You know, and so that's why I encourage you to engage in in your communities, rally around people, check on people. What are they going through? Are they okay? Don't just sit around and talk about them. Sit around and pray for them at church. Knock on the door. Do they need something? Even if they tell you to go away, drop something at the front door. Some people are just proud and they feel completely unlovable. And they feel like the world is a complete shithole. And they're ready to end it all over politics. So that was like, and this was my response last night, you know, in the space, because it's just like you hear the pain in his voice, right? That's why these spaces are so important, because you get to hear one another. You get to hear the nuance. You get to hear the pain. You get to hear the anger and the rage and the fear, and the in the desperation and you need to hear those things from one another we are so busy keyboard worrying war, it that people are completely disconnected which was the entire point of social media some of you don't even know how your family members are doing well we're on facebook we share pictures of the baby i share my recipes right but did you know that Aunt so-and-so has been popping pills for the last six months? You know, did you know that your little niece has been molested? Did you know that? Did you know that your mom's afraid at night because she doesn't know what the hell's going on in the world? Did you know that? You know, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so I'm very grateful for these spaces, and this is why. And I don't mean to shame anyone it's, it's that we have to start making decisions to take the country back on a very personal level. Sorry. On a very personal level, we have to take the country back. Forgive me in my tears, my emotional outbursts. This is how I get. I need a pillow. Let's lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> how about that? You guys should go to my pillow. You guys... Someone should tell Mike Lindell to buy, you know, make some kind of a handkerchief with my name on it so I can use it on my shows (laughs) because I'm a crier because I feel things and we should. And if you don't feel something about this country other than rage, that's not good. We should be feeling the grief of this. So somebody ask Mike Lindell to make some handkerchiefs, please, (laughs) because the pillows are amazing. (laughs) And so are my bath sheets that I can wrap my big butt it, my big butt up in and uh, and not feel, you know, like I'm trying to squeeze into a, a tissue paper of towels. And so I love my bath sheets. You can go to mypillow.com and use Monica. M-O-N-I-C-A. Use my code. Get you some sheets, some stuff for your dogs. Not cats. <laughs> not yet, but your dogs and all that other good stuff. And uh, yeah, Monica, there's my plug. Okay, let moving right along. Uh, this is the, I'm going to go to, uh, the next person 
is someone who comes into my spaces quite a bit. She's running for United States Senate in the state of Georgia. Uh, she's a very bright woman. Uh, she's running on a platform I don't necessarily agree with. All of her kitchen table items, uh, primarily reparations. This is where we kind of split, uh, you know, on the road of walking together. Um, but uh, she chimed in last evening, and I'm really glad that she did. And the good news is, is that her own party has disowned her, which she kind of saw as like a, is like a, you know some kind of a bad thing. And I'm like, no, actually, if the Democrats have disowned you and, and the Republicans would disown me, which is totally fine. Um, you know, you're probably not too far off, you know, but I, but what you're not going to hear at the end of this clip is me encouraging her to not only fight and, and stand for and support the quote black agenda or the black Americans, right? foundational black Americans, because apparently there is a distinction now. And if you don't make that distinction, it can become highly contentious for some people. So you have a war going on between foundational black Americans as well as African Americans. Um, and yes, so there's that, but, but I've encouraged her along with other black Americans who watch my show, listen to my show. Um, if, if this is how passionate you are about the country about about things that she's getting ready to talk about, okay, then I encourage you to stop looking at America as black and white. And I encourage white people to do the same thing. So if you're going to fight for this country and for the Constitution, then fight for this country and the Constitution. That's my two cents. Okay, here we go. This is Smith's uh, tomorrow. Why was the confirmation so significant to black people? I want to answer that question. I think and what I think you guys don't understand is the depth of the pain that still lives inside of us. And I think having her nominated meant so much. And I'm speaking broadly and and I'll come back to and bring it around to me. But I'm just kind of want to speak broadly to the black experience into the mindset of of why that was so significant to have a first black person, woman in this case, because we have Clarence Thomas, but have this black woman um, nominated is is the significance of it is literally because of what still lives inside of us today and not having representation, not having a voice, always being the underclass and under underclass in this country. So that still lives in us. So that's why that was so significant today. Transgender and transhumanism, I heard y'all mention that. And during the confirmations, I'll tell you, I'm so knee deep in my campaign. I haven't had a chance to, I did not have a chance to watch much. So I would catch like, of course, what, what I see on social media. But I did see part of the clip where she was asked a question about what is a woman. And I'll tell you me personally, that disturbed me as a woman, as a mother, that, that disturbed me. I won't speak for all black people, but I can tell you that biologically, like Monica, like you said, having a vagina makes you a woman, having a penis makes you a man. So I, I, it is, it's just that simple and that cut and dry. So I, I got that. Um, 
and we talking about that you, you mentioned the transhumanism and I, I wasn't I never I, we didn't take the shot none of us you know I, I do believe there's some some agenda to um that we don't under quite understand but we see something happening that doesn't make sense to those of us who are spiritual people and Monica I know I know you love God like I've heard you pray and I've heard your heart so I know you love God so I and you and I can have totally in some of these conversations we've connected there absolutely and uh, that is my sister, Tamara Johnson. Sheely, you can find her on Twitter. I'm sure she has a Senate page that I have simply not been to. Um, I have agreed to have uh, Tamara on my show um, to talk about, uh, you know, we definitely do not see eye to eye on reparations. That conversation went on in the direction of she is a Christian um, and as a Christian, um, and someone who has, uh, you know, familial struggles, generational struggles with victimization, um, as well as my own throughout my lifetime, uh, just because we're white doesn't mean we don't have, you know, trauma and stuff that happens. Um, and I know you guys know that, right? And it's not as though I don't have family members who were on train cars to uh, a place that was not a vacation destination, rather a gas shower that other relatives were placing them on. So yeah, I get it coming and going. So I get it. I really do get it. Um, as a Christian, though, I have been commanded, not just encouraged, but commanded to put all of that under the blood of the cross. And so I don't look for monetary reparations due to that type of victimization that has occurred through my generations or even personal things that have happened in my life. And I'm not saying that there's not a space for that before you guys go black and white, no pun intended, on um, on this issue of legalities and, and civil and you know civil cases and, and remedy and you know things that, that our law does actually provide for. Um, you know, in the way of reparation, um, for damages, right? Um, but I just take exception, I think, to this becoming such a, a banner in, in the ground of politics where it's, it's, it's utilized in such a political manner. And, and now it's been undergirded by this geopolitical maneuvering that really has has been put in place and set in motion by extremely nefarious forces who understand what a color revolution looks like, what it is to acquire and aggregate data on humans and every single thing they do, everything they think, everything they think they're going to think, everything they feel, everything they click, Everything they purchase, they watch, they say, they speak. Uh, people they befriend, people they don't, people they unfollow, people they block. Uh, all of that is telling a very nefarious system things about us. And ultimately, whenever it needs to be utilized for the purposes of very wicked men and women who are still in positions of power today, or positions of influence today. And I will I will let that remain nameless for now. Because God has a way of exposing what he needs to expose in his time. 
And if that's my honor and duty to do so, then I will. But as of right now, things are unfolding in a way that I believe he will absolutely receive all the glory for that. And I'll be real honest with you. I'm not sure that people can take more of the swamp being revealed right now. I think in his mercy and his grace, he has not revealed everything at one time because that's who he is. Because when he reveals a thing, it is to heal. And if things get upended and destroyed, it is always for the betterment of mankind. Always. If there is a system in place in the heavenlies that has set up shop here in this earth and the Lord comes down and puts his foot right in the middle of that, um, it's because his vengeance is clear and his justice is as well. And this is his earth. Some of you assign this earth to Satan. This is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, not Satan's. So this is something that came in last night also in one of the spaces. Well, in my space. And I'm going to read this to you because this sweet, beautiful woman had to go. She is also a black woman and wanted to chime in, but she had to uh, leave the room. So let me read this to you. Hello, Monica. My phone is on crack. Sorry I had to leave after requesting to speak. I was going to say this. There's a very destructive trend happening amongst a lot of black Americans between the ages of 21 and 40. And that trend is to constantly post what was the first black person to achieve something. It fuels a specific racial complex and further serves the notion of racism. Hearing and seeing First black female, even if politically different from myself, still perks me up to feel an instinctive obligation to celebrate. Before I was made aware of Katanji's record, most of the discussion was around her being seen as an affirmative action choice thanks to Biden's feeble announcement of his intentions. And my colleague Kyle Becker said the same thing actually just yesterday about affirmative action. Uh, She goes on to say, that caused me to think her credentials were being overlooked. Once the truth was revealed after watching her hearing, I realized that she is not willing to protect women and children. It's all devastating. And more and more, I continue to learn to stop believing in the fake virtue of so-called diversity and the making of historical figures. Making history is the wrong focus. And it's awful to see so many overlooking horrifying facts in order to celebrate symbolism. So, symbolism. Right. She is now a symbol of what it is to become the first at something. And it's funny because I saw a few people in my space last night from um, BLM, which is fine. You'll notice I don't hashtag, I don't host spaces to, uh, to you know, elicit some kind of um, 
you know, race war online, you know, that that's, that's never my agenda. If we can't come together and build bridges, we don't need to talk to one another. And if it's my space and you're in my living room and you start acting crazy, you just get kicked out. It's really simple. No harm, no, no hurt feelings. You just got to go. And so if you can't act nice, then just hit the road. Um, but there are some spaces that will constantly draw that crowd in order to create some kind of friction because they're just so desperate for numbers. My spaces are not one of them, and I appreciate that. And I did notice that there were a few folks in the room with BLM um, you know, attached to their profiles. Totally fine with me. Come on in. I don't care. Um, you know, if you've got something to add to the conversation that's going to be constructive or help, you know, me see something differently or maybe something I haven't considered, bring it. Right. Um, but I said something and in the minute I said it, I noticed that both of them left at the same time. And it was basically what I'm saying now, which is I wouldn't care if she was a white Harvard, Yale, pedigree out the wazoo, a descendant of Jesus himself. If he adhered to the same ideology as this woman, I would still be shouting from the rooftops like I am right now. And so it doesn't matter to me that she, to some it does, like you just heard Tamara say, it does matter to black people. Not all, but it does matter because it signals a first of something, a historical marker. It, it signals again that we've achieved something, that, you know, there is that, that equity that's in place, that people are struggling so hard to, uh, to engineer and to manipulate. Right. That's that. That's what this signifies. Is it? Oh, okay. Cool. We're we're getting a little. We're we're one step. We're almost lockstep. Right. And there are others who will rail against that and say, you know, it it is an affront. And I tell you what's an affront. I mentioned this last night in the space. I'm not sure how many people got this, but and someone actually got on to me who was a black gentleman who left the space, who was like, well, why would you even bring that up if we're all supposed to be equal? Didn't understand that argument, but this is what I said. You know, he went on to talk about the disparity between black and white communities and funding and, and you know, and, and really this whole racism thing being about what's in your head, what you think about yourself. You know, it all begins in your own mirror, right? And so, and yes, there are institutional components to this that have positively been in place. But if you were going to be partisan about it, you damn sure wouldn't put that off on the Republicans, I mean, if you want to look at a party issue, you're definitely not going to look to the Democrats to be the party of abolitionists. Sorry. Or civil rights. Sorry. You're just not. So freedom of all man has has never really been a central focal point, in my humble opinion, of the Democrat Party. And I don't subscribe to the Great Switch, which was brought up last night as well. But I told a story of how you know, Tamara goes on to talk about the disparity and you can actually listen to this entire space on my Twitter space, on my Twitter feed, actually, because it was recorded. But Tamara goes on to talk about, you know, the injustices and the, in the, um, the inequities and disparity in, in, and, um, and exactly what she mentioned. And, and someone took her to task on that. And my co-host Chris did, and um, took her to task on that on historical data. 
and, you know, the war on drugs and who brought all that in, um, you know, and, and who codified and who's incarcerating and who is still pushing that, you know, agenda to this day. Who the hell gives out crack pipes to people? And don't tell me that's not what that's in, in that kit. So anyway, in the city of Atlanta, we had a, a board who was prosecuted and subsequently um, incarcerated. They were convicted and incarcerated members of this particular, uh, of the Atlanta public school system who were found guilty of embe- of embezzlement, you know, all kinds of interesting things with money coming from the feds that were, that were for students hitting certain milestones, right? The problem with that and, and certain test scores. So the problem with that was that the children were not meeting the criteria they were failing in their tests and those test scores were altered. And then the money was, you know, and it was not a lot of money. I thought to myself, man, if you're going to go to prison, why would you go to prison over $5,000? I mean, make it big, like go big or go home. I don't know, but 5,000 bucks. But the thing that has historically made me so angry about this is because people love to say, well, there's disparity and the opportunity's not there and the white person is part of the machine. And I'm like, well, hold up. Because this was during the Obama administration and Obama was the machine and so was his, uh, his, his liege, uh, uh, his, his regime. Um, they were the machine and they were handing out the dollars. And then the people who were supposed to have been teaching and instructing our children, notice I didn't say little black kids because I'm not just a life giver and I'm not a birthing person. I'm a mother. And now I'm a grandmother, praise the Lord, but I'm a mother. So all these little kids running around, I see them like my little kids, right? That's why I'm so passionate about them being mangled and maimed in medicine. It's insane. They're our kids. They're our babies. They're our future. We should care about the education of all children. And so I thought, I think to myself, hold up. You guys had the money. You had the resources. And you put it in your pockets. And you took it out of the minds of those children. And those kids are probably now, not all of them, clearly, but some of them, I would imagine, are no longer, they know they did not finish school. They're probably in and out of the penal system at this point. They can't fill out a job application. A lot of them could not read during these, at the portions of these tests. Um, who does that? And then still turns and aligns with a political ideology that blames a, a system or, you know, historical, intrinsic, whatever we're supposed to be as white people, um, you know, historically, intrinsically, what is it? Uh, racist, bigoted, whatever. Um, you know, I had a pastor, for God's sakes, a reverend who likes to follow me on Twitter, um, who, you know, we've got along in the past, and he's a black gentleman, and he subscribes to BLM, has been good to him and his community, and they've fostered resources, and they've helped their community. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, hey, all right. You know, God's not the only person or being who blesses us. So I, um, you know, we've been friends, as it were. And boy, he took me to task yesterday. He's like, you guys are just butthurt. <laughs> First of all, I hate that saying. 
<laughs> and the fact that it would come out of a reverend's mouth is just hilarious to me. I'm like, so you're just y'all are just butthurt because we got the first female black we made a historical marker right because she's a black female y'all are just butthurt i'm like i'm sorry are you not butthurt over the fact that our kids uh, she doesn't know what a female is uh, she can't define that because she's not a biologist and i'm not being hyperbolic this is part of the hearing go watch it um and she's lenient on rapists of children what are we doing here? So these are great opportunities. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let you hear one last person from last night and then I'm going to close. These are great opportunities for us during this resurrection season to see just how far down into the grave of society, of civilization, this nation, our country. I'm not talking about Ukraine, I'm talking about Russia, Vlad and all that. I'm not talking about Germany. I'm not talking about Canada. I'm talking about us. This is how far the United States of America has literally descended into the bowels of hell, right? But the good news is we do still have a Savior that sits on the throne that's all about resurrection. And this is resurrection season. And you can resurrect this country beginning in your own mirror and in your own communities. Totally possible. I do believe that because there are more of us than there are of them. Now, here is my colleague, Wayne. Miss Jackson, Miss Jackson, whatever, uh, Paul Ryan's relative. Uh, you know, I, I mean, look, Democrats do this. They do it. Republicans don't. Democrats do. And well, Wayne, what do you mean by that? She's black, right? Well, it's not about that. They need to be the first to do something so that they could use it during election time. The Democrats were the first to put a black man in in the White House. The, the, the Democrats were the first to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. The Democrats were the first to put a Latino woman on the Supreme Court. The Democrats were the first to put LGBT community uh, woman on the, um, on the Supreme Court. Oh, wait. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to put that out there. But um, <laughs> they love to be the first because they use it as an election tool when they try to use... Uh, um, um, racist uh, um, uh, element during um, during the elections. That's all. Uh, many people are waking up to it, but sadly, many people aren't, and they're looking at it and they're saying, "Congratulations!" What you know? I mean, honestly, you know, I, <laughs> you know that. I mean, it 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 is it is what it is. I just wish that many of you out there right now can take a more um, advantageous. Uh, position in community uh, politics, get elected locally, start fixing your communities and neighborhoods um, at the bottom, spread those seeds, let it grow, fix your states. And then, because honestly, I wish everybody was removed from Washington, D.C. right now. Everybody's up there, remove them, shut it down for a year. Don't let nobody up there in D.C. Let the states fix itself and then start electing some of these store owners and, and uh, lemonade stand owners, start sending them to Washington, D.C. because they know more about the community than the people that's up there. All right, Monica, I got to go. I got to go. All right. <laughs> 
That was my colleague, my brother, I love him, Wayne Dupree. If you do not follow Wayne, you should follow Wayne everywhere you can follow Wayne. So Wayne came into my space last night to show me some love because I caught a little bit of flack from one of my other colleagues who will remain nameless because we've kissed and made up. But uh, it was very public and it was on Twitter, a fellow blue chucker. Um, and I was up in arms about this friggin' judge that I keep talking about up in North Dakota who sentenced this man who raped a three-month-old to four years in prison. And so I just learned of it. Apparently, this is old news, but it's recirculating. And so I went to town about it, and I'm like, why isn't anyone else talking about this? And so I'm like, have you guys heard about this? You know, that was my heart. And I uh, included about Sarah Carter, you know, a bunch of people in my tweet and Kyle, you know, people that I would, who I would consider friendlies. <laughs> and so, um, Wayne responds with, why the heck are you including me in this tweet? Most of the people you've tagged would even consider me a conservative. And I was like, what? Uh, so when he came into the space last night and see, I don't get into all of this, this stuff. I, I, I am a team player. I, it didn't go over for well for, for well for me on my station either because it wasn't just about my show. It was about, hey, if you've got a show, I want to promote your show. If you've got a product, I want to promote your product. Like there, there's, It's like people who suffer with envy and jealousy. That's not really been my thing. Comparison, yeah, we all go through that. But envy and jealousy is kind of like, well, if you've got that, then, and I, and I would like to have that or have that skill, right? Or have that size audience or have that reach or that, um, you know, uh, influence. How would I go about doing that? Well, one of the fastest ways to do that is to bring people in and to include people in things. And so I am very inclusive. I love to include people in stuff and I'm a host extraordinaire. I love hosting parties, love hosting fundraisers. Like I just love, love, love it. Love hosting my show, love having guests. Um, and so I don't understand that mentality of, well, this is my show and this is my turf and Hey, thanks for the leg up. But, and he went on to explain it last night <laughs> as to how some of these people have treated him who were, uh, you know, blowing up his phone. Hey man, can I come on? Can you help promote my show? And now they've got, you know, they're following and they've got their stuff and you can't reach them. And that's really sad. It's just trashy too, by the way. So I don't know who he's referring to. He did not name names, but I just thought it was really trashy. And I thought it was really cool that he came in uh, to show me some love because I love Wayne. And I think Wayne does a very good job of taking care of his audience. So I don't have to agree with him on everything, and he doesn't have to agree with me on everything, but he does care about you all. He cares about his audience, and that matters, because if you guys don't have trust with people who are pouring into your ear gates and your eye gates, then you need to shut down your technology. Because you think it's not affecting you, but it is. Every bit of poison you take in throughout the day, and I'm not saying to just remain in your little information silos, I'm saying you know, have grounding, have a place where, first of all, have spiritual discernment, which I am going to do this plug right now before we go. I just finished my first six-week Bible study with a group of phenomenal people, and we have been a very interesting group. I did this as Wendy Rogers tweeted out months ago that I was going to host a Bible study, and it took the Lord a minute 
to finally get me on board with what we were going to talk about. And so uh, finally, it was discernment and how crucial discernment is. And for those of you who wonder how we combat the Leviathan of this narrative warfare space, your military industrial complex, all of these little gadgets that are used to manipulate you and your mind and your feelings through narratives, through things you read, things you watch, things you listen to, things you bounce to, things you, you know, you enjoy, things you hate. All those things are are utilized to manipulate you, to steer you into a particular position that world globalists want this country to go. And so one of the main ways that you become immune to that type of influence is by having discernment and by having a north in the way of spiritual connection. So preferably with the God of creation and the God of our constitution, the God, and the author of our liberty, right? The God who sent his son to set the captives free, right? Hopefully. So that requires discernment. So we've been talking about that. It's been amazing to, and we've done a word study on it because I'm a wordsmith and I love words. And so just following the trails of, of discernment and what that means and what that really means and how to apply that to your life so you're not led about, you know, by a nose ring. How many of those have we seen lately on lips of TikTok? But you're not led about by a nose ring of, of misinformation, disinformation, you know, the feelings manipulators and just really an overarching spirit of, of, of witchcraft and divination that's really pervasive in the earth right now. And so if you would like to sign up for my upcoming six weeks of Bible study, happy to have you. Just send an email to monica at monicamatthews.com and in the subject line, put Bible study. I'll get back with you about the details. Uh, we will begin not next Wednesday, but the one after that, whatever that date is. Uh, and it's from 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9. We do have special guests on with us who have been extremely encouraging. Chad Prather was probably, I mean, he nailed it for a lot of people in the group. On um, He does an amazing sermon on the prodigal son, and he brought that to us. And uh, it was very timely. It's very good. Um, Emerald Robinson has come in with her testimony as well, and Craig Sawyer. Um, so we do have really cool special guests who come and, you know, and really bridge what I'm hoping that does is it starts to rebuild trust between communicators and people who are consuming their communication efforts. That is my heart behind having people come in to do that. So it's not to be like a bunch of, you know, this is theater and we got to have superstars in my group because the gospel does not need a gimmick. So, but I love the encouragement and I love what they bring to the table. And I have gotten a lot of good feedback about my special guests. So if you'd like to join us, it'll be for six weeks. We will continue with uh, discernment uh, briefly, do a recap of that. If you would like those notes, I am actually in the process of putting all of this together in a digital format so that you guys can download it and uh, probably uh, tag uh, tag a video onto that as well. But as we conclude... Uh, you know, I want to encourage you to get out and really spend time with your families this weekend. Do something for you. I cannot stress that enough. Do something for you, right? Do something for your family. Put the phone down. Put it on. Um, do not disturb, even though mine does not work for some reason, clearly. Um dedicate time for you, for your kids. The number one weapon you're gonna have 
against a completely out of control DOJ and uh, and regime uh, against trying to sexualize your children behind your back if you're and beyond your authority usurping your authority entirely and that is exact they believe they have that right to do so so the number one way you if you're not going to take them out of the school system the number one way that you can offset that is by building trust with your kids and the fastest way to build trust with your children is time it is time it's not words it's time and attention and they may rail against it if you haven't practiced it in a long time. They may think, this is stupid. You know, you're stupid. The whole world is stupid. We're all stupid. Uh, give me my phone. This is dumb. I can't believe you're making me do this. You know, whatever the deal is. But if you've gotten to that point, you've got some work to do. But don't give up. Don't give up. I've been shouting this from the rooftops for years, that our children are the future. And they know it. Not just Democrats. There are Republicans. Clearly. Republicans got this woman over the finish line, for God's sakes. So clearly there are, listen, people who are perverted in their mind, in their spirit, in their heart, who are totally reprobate, you all are like, how can people do this? I'm like, well, because they don't have a God conscience. I mean, it's kind of simple when you think about it. And then you, you know, you're not wasting so much energy being so baffled by their wickedness. But your kids are what they're after. No kidding. And the fastest way you build trust is by spending time with your family. And I mean quality time. And that means you put the phone down. That means you turn the television off. Go out and do something. It is the spring. If it's still snowing where you are, go out and build a snowman. If it's raining, go jump in some mud puddles. Go be a kid. Go do something you haven't done since you were a kid. If you're into flying kites like Chad, go fly kites on the beach with your kids. Make something with your kids. Teach them how to make something right? Sit down and read something to them. Get out your little pocket constitution. Start talking about what is really going on and what the battle really is for. Get out your Bible. Start If you haven't read it in a while, who cares? Start in John. Start with the love of Christ, the love of God, and get on with it. Get your little kitty Bible. Some of you, that's where you should start. There's no shame in that. Buy a children's Bible. If the adult Bibles drive you nuts and it seems like Swahili to you, I get it. It did to most of us. And so go buy a children's Bible. It's simple. And sit down with your kids and be like, I don't understand this stuff either. So let's learn it together. Because obviously there's a God. And we should probably learn a little bit more about something we don't understand. And I'm just telling you, that's how to take this country back. From the foundations not pouring new wine skin into old wine. I mean, new wine into old wine skins. And that's what's going to happen with some of you and these politicians that you're all excited about. You just can't wait for them to get elected because you think that's just going to save the day. Sorry. There's no going back to where we've been. I don't think God's going to let us do that. You know why? Because I think God loves us too much. He's not going to let us go back to how we've been, where we've been, all that good stuff. And I know there are a lot, there's a lot of conversation around new money and new this. And, and if you know, the, what is it called? The fake world people live, the metaverse. Thank you. Uh, you know, all this really what it is, is like, it's, it's like the thing that my kid played that I paid nine ninety nine a month for like a really dumb mother. Um, what was it? Club penguin. Have you guys paid for that? <laughs> right. 
Club Penguin in the digital space where my kid had like the coolest disco globe and she had cute shoes and her penguin was styling and her igloo was the bomb and nobody could visit her igloo other than her little digital friends who ended up being jack legs and I almost got kicked off the platform because one of them was bullying my daughter and I took over the keyboards. So you can imagine how that turned out. But uh, $9.99 a month. Now you do the math on a million parents on that platform. So, you know, they start them young. So my thing is this, I stick with things of God and I'm not downing your Bitcoins and your NFTs and all that. I'm not, but I prefer gold and silver, which is why I have partnered with GoldCo. So I would encourage you to go to my website, click on monicamatthews.com backslash GoldCo and learn about how to protect your hard earned money your savings. Matter of fact, I think they're giving up to $10,000 worth of silver or gold away whenever you sign up. Don't have my copy right in front of me, but it is on my website. And uh, trusted people, uh, Wayne actually promotes them as well. But I want you to go to my website because <laughs> you heard it here. Um, but I, um, I love to encourage you guys to find ways to to protect and to preserve your, what's the word I'm looking for? Quality of life. Because the world is crazy and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. But you can still have righteousness, peace, and joy, right? And part of your righteousness is being prepared. It's having peace. It's not being frantic and crazy and nuts and hoping on the midterms or not showing up at all. Some of you are just like, forget it. Hell no, I won't go. I'm not going to go vote ever again. This is stupid. Well, don't do that. That's stupid. Like you still have to stay engaged. You have to have some measure to prove that something may or may not have been the safest election in history, right? So I want to encourage you to be encouraged. Don't be a sourpuss around your kids. Protect your assets. Protect your children. Protect your mind and your ears in your eyes and have a great weekend. I love you guys. Thanks for being with me. It's been real. I'll be back Monday through Friday, God willing, in the Creek Dutton Rise and all that stuff, all that Southern Biscuit stuff. Speaking of, I'm going to have a nice Southern breakfast this weekend. I've been on a liquid fast. We're going to talk about fasting next week with a very interesting guest. So you're going to want to tune into that. But in the meantime, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, go to my website, buy a t-shirt, and act like one. I just hope your heart's full.